Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and once again, may I welcome you to what is going to be an outstanding podcast. For those of you who don't know me, my name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, Sightings and Encounters. And if you say to yourself, where's the terror? You're about to find out. Joining me is my brother KJ, only moments from now. But before that, if you're interested, my books are available at Amazon in paperback and ebook formats, volume one through eight. And if you're an audiophile, you could hear the books, volumes one through seven, and soon to be volume eight at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. And now, may I welcome to the show my brother and co-host, K.J. Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you, Bill? Fantastic. I'm just uh, chomping at the bit for this podcast tonight. (laughs) I was going to say, too, isn't it obvious that people are audiophiles if they're tuned into our podcast? Well, (laughs) to a certain extent, yeah, but I think people are weird, right? I mean, like, that's some... uh, uh, some you don't re- mean our listeners? Yeah, well, they're weird too. <laughs> it's it's not some revelatory knowledge. Some people pick and choose what they like to do, you know, and how they like to do it. I see that with the younger folks at work. One reads, one will read an ebook, one won't. Some people like paper, uh, as do I. Uh, some people listen to podcasts. Some people watch TV on. Hulu, uh, others watch, you know, mainstream cable TV. It's weird. Yeah, just different, different uh, preferences. I do all of the above, by the way. I like uh, a nice paper book. Usually it's a special treat, like if I'm on vacation or something like that. You know, I get a nice uh, hardcover book and kind of read it as a treat, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh, but I do read electronic books. I have my little Kindle where I download them onto. Mm-hmm. And I do like Audible as well. Uh, you know, I, as you know, Bill, I like to ride a bicycle, you know, some long distances. And I can often be seen with my little uh, earbuds on and I'm listening to a book if I'm not listening to music. So. Yeah, it's kind of different occasions for different different things. Yeah, there's quite a variety out there to partake of these days. Absolutely. So, my brother, what do we have in our cryptids and other oddities in the news today? 
Yeah, we're going to talk mainly about one topic, but I'm going to mention two others first. Okay, oh, okay. so there's a lot going on. So first off, you mentioned listening to Hulu. Isn't that funny? And you didn't know what I was going to talk about um, or watching watching things on Hulu. And uh, we had a few folks write in over the past couple of weeks about this new Hulu uh, documentary series called Sasquatch. Hmm. You saw those emails come in, right, Bill? I, so. I did. Now, is this Sasquatch available anywhere else? Only Hulu. So Hulu made the series. So, oh, I see. Uh, I see. Okay. Probably will be available other places, but I watched it on Hulu. Okay. So, but it's a three-part kind of mini-series, and um, it was pretty cool. So, uh very well made. It's uh, I'll give the synopsis of it, but I won't give it away. Um, but it's about a triple murder that happened up in Northern California on uh, uh, on like a piece of property where they were growing marijuana back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And this really interesting guy, I had heard his name before. Um, he's an investigative reporter. His name is David Holthouse. He did this investigative work because he actually worked up there on this uh, marijuana farm in the 90s. And he was there when this murder took place. And he was trying to remember, like, did this really happen? Did I imagine it? Was it a rumor? So we went back and did this uh, documentary to investigate the murder. Mm -hmm. But the theory of the murder is that these three gentlemen were torn apart on this farm in the middle of the night by a Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want to give much else away, but, you know, Hulu is not our sponsor or anything like that. But it was pretty cool. It was a cool show. Yeah, it's funny you opened that door because I do have an account that we'll get into one of these days uh, that I labeled The Grow. Mm-hmm. And it was precisely about uh, marijuana farmers up uh, in the North Country out there uh, back in the day and some interference that some Bigfoot uh, threw at them being in their domain. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Nobody got killed, but uh, there was definitely sightings and uh, some interactions which led them to believe they weren't welcome over a period of time and they split. Yep. Yep. Wow. Wow. So it's pretty cool. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, I'm not necessarily saying that Bigfoot killed these people. You have to come to your own conclusion after you watch the series. But if you watch it and you like it, you know, send us a little note. Let us know at BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. I liked it. I thought it was really entertaining. You know, watched it the last three nights. And uh, it was pretty, pretty entertaining and well done. Yeah, interesting. Uh, if I get a chance, and it is in uh, Mendocino County up there in Northern California, you know, which is a bit of a hotbed for uh, Sasquatch and Bigfoot sightings. There's no doubt about it. And let me tell you something: people don't rip people apart. Uh, you may surgically take somebody apart if you're some type of madman, uh, but people don't rip other human beings apart. It takes brute strength uh, to do that, and especially a threesome. Uh, if that was what took them down, uh, who knows, you know. Yeah, 
Watch the show. Wow, that's creepy. <laughs> and then the next, the next bit of news I want to cover is short, but it happened today. I don't know if you saw the footage today, Bill, from the SpaceX launch. So it's pretty cool. You know, the Dragon capsule, which is, you know, where the astronauts ride in on the SpaceX uh, rocket, when it's separated from the final stage uh, out, you know, outside the atmosphere, um, they have video like looking back at the final stage and this object passed between the stage and the, the Dragon capsule of the SpaceX rocket. No kidding. Yeah, you didn't see this, huh? I didn't. And uh, go back again. Uh, what what happened exactly? Yeah, so um, like the final stage of the rocket. Right. So imagine this capsule. They call it the Dragon right, capsule. Right. You remember it, where they had like the uh, the uh, purple sequin dinosaur <laughs> when they first did the launch. <laughs> that was the anti gravity meter, which had me laughing out loud. You know, when, the, <laughs> when the purple sequin dinosaur started floating around the cabin, that let them know that there was no gravity. <laughs> so same dragon capsule. But when it's separated from the last stage of the rocket that launched it into space, and they have a camera that, you know, looks from the the stern of the capsule back at the stage. And as soon as it separated, this round object passed right between the stage and the Dragon capsule. I mean, it had to be like, I don't know, no more than five yards away. Amazing. And, it, you know, they said, well, they're looking into what it is. Maybe it was a block of ice from the stage. But what's kind of weird is it comes from out of... The picture on like the right hand side of the frame and flows right through yeah between the two fortunately nobody got hurt you know like it didn't hit either thing yeah but it was kind of freaky you know it was interesting to see yeah well i think we're gonna see more of this uh space stuff because we're out there more often and we also have private industry like spacex out there yeah as long as they jump on board with sharing the info Oh, yeah. I mean, the video was on like ABC News or something. I'll I'll put it up on our website, of course, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Yeah. And in years gone by, anybody who follows this is the the ice has always been one of the mainstays. Right. A piece of ice, you know. Yeah. You know, this uh, thing was like dark gray. It looked like a rock or something. It was definitely round. Yeah. And kind of fluttering through, you know, crystal clear. Yeah. So. Again, I'll put the video up. You folks take a look at it. We'll have some of our space experts out there comment on it, hopefully, and let us know what you think. Yeah, see, I don't think uh, it was a piece of ice, Kev. I think it was uh, an NBA basketball uh, <laughs> that escaped an arena in the United From space States. space jams? Yeah, space jam. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, if you look really closely, you can see a little window and a little green man <laughs> in there. But that might just be me. <laughs> oh, man, that is cool, though. I mean, awesome. It, awesome. yeah, it, it, it's cool. And uh, uh, good job just bringing it out because I hadn't seen it, man. Yeah, check it out. Just, just today. I didn't even get a chance to tell you to look at it. Okay. Um all right, so we're going to go into the mainstay of cryptids in the news and other oddities. As you know, Bill, we've had a lot of people write in, a good number of people write in over time to ask us to look into the giant cats that have been seen in and around the United Kingdom. Yeah. Right? 
Very interesting and stuff, you know. It's interesting stuff. Now, um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about it, and you know, feel free to interrupt me and chime in as well. So it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. You have a lot of different sightings over time from the 50s back into 1950s, back into recent days um, of these uh, people getting a glimpse of these giant cats. And in fact, one of the sightings that's documented goes all the way back to 1825. Wow. Yeah. And that's where a gentleman named William Cobbett, a famous farmer and journalist, reported seeing a large, very large gray cat on the grounds of an abbey in southern England. And most of these sightings are in and around western and southern UK. Huh. You know, yeah. uh, you know, folks, if you're listening to Kevin talking about this, uh, it's through people like you writing into us that uh, things become more evident and uh, warrant launching an investigation into what's going on. So... Don't be afraid to contact us because you don't know which piece of the puzzle you're supplying uh, to what we may be uh, discussing next. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Kim. No, it's all good. But yeah, absolutely. Plus, in a practical sense, I'm always looking for new ideas of things to look at, you know, yep. interesting things. I got a big electronic list going. And, uh, you know, when you suggest something, I throw it down on the list and... See what bubbles up as I'm looking into it. So, Absolutely. It, yeah, it's important to note, like, you know, the UK is a pretty rural place, right? Of course, you have London and some of the big industrial cities, but generally you have, you know, some rural areas, right? It's got to be rural enough for the werewolves to roam around and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and spring Jack has yeah. to have a place to hang out. You know, I mean, they got, they got several uh, cryptids over there. But the UK, they say, only has one native species of cat, which is called a Scottish wildcat. And it's, uh, I would say, like it's a small lynx, and it lives in the Scottish Highlands, so way up north. Um, and the things we're talking about are much bigger than the Scottish wildcat. Now, what would you say, like the size of a cougar, a puma? The, the things people are seeing? Yeah. In fact, yes, like as big as a cougar or a puma or a cheetah, leopard, that kind of a thing. Yeah, a good size animal. Good size, you know, beast. Yep. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the, the sightings are seen all the time. And, uh, you know, there's enough, <clears throat> excuse me, there's enough of these sightings reported that there's a group that, spends a lot of time collecting all of the information on the sighting. And that group is called the British Big Cats Society. And they report that there's a few thousand sightings each year. Wow. Yeah, so that's pretty serious. All in the same area or fairly well dispersed? A very large area. Oh, okay. You know, western and southern UK. So this can't be a couple of cats wandering that far. No, no, no. All right. So, you know, we'll get into some of the theories here. Um, and I learned a couple of things along here, like I often do. Now, of course, there's a group that say, hey, you know, all these people are seeing like house cats at a distance <laughs> or maybe a Labrador retriever like Martha at a distance <laughs> and thinking it's a puma or yeah. as they say, a puma. 
Yeah. <laughs> Martha could <laughs> deceive you into believing. She's Martha, so nimble. Like, you know, even if you drank a bottle of Jack Daniels and she was at 100 <laughs> yards, you're not going to mistake her as a puma. <laughs> Maybe a bear. <laughs> not a big uh, one. Martha, Martha. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. All right. So, um, you know, the, the first sightings in this in, in the 1900s came in 1955, where uh, out in Surrey, a woman was walking her dog in a rural area and she reported, you know, and sent it in seeing a puma like creature, which, uh, you know, kind of uh, slouched and scurried away from her. And next to it was a mutilated carcass of a calf. Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised that thing ran away. Yeah. Well, they are, you know, if this is uh, a puma or a cougar, they're very stealthy, Mm -hmm. you know. It's just surprising to me that anything would leave its kill unless it felt it was under threat, you know. Yeah. And maybe it was almost done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, very bizarre, though, you know, giant cats. Definitely bizarre. Um, You know, two more sightings followed four years later in 1959, both of them in the neighboring county of Hampshire. And one man reported seeing an enormous great cat crossing a county lane while a cab driver supposedly saw a lion jumping over a hedge into a rural horse racing course. Pretty wild, right? Yeah, I mean, can you imagine seeing this? I mean, I don't dispute it because then I'd be amongst the people who say, you know, you're full of beans about Bigfoot. Uh, Well, there's some interesting theories. So these things have been seen a lot to the point where, you know, in the 70s and 80s, there was uh, numerous sightings of a large black uh, cat-like creature, a, a puma of sorts, in a village called Exmoor, and uh, that's uh, or, or an area called Exmoor, which is an expanse of moorland, kind of like where the uh, werewolves hang out in southwest England. Uh-huh. And uh, this creature is known as the Beast of Exmoor. Wow! Right? I mean, you know, uh, now just for a moment, all of these different descriptions—gray, black, like a lion—which to me might be tan. Or maybe yeah. he's just given a description of it being a lion without giving you the color. It seems remarkable to me that all of these different cats would be around this location. Well, there's a lot of them that are described as being a black, like like a, what's known as a puma. Uh-huh. And what I learned in these readings was that a puma is actually like a uh, genetic uh, um, disorder of a leopard. Oh, so, so instead of spots, it's all black. Is, is all black, which okay. I didn't know that before. Uh-huh. Um, and what's interesting is some of the footage, so I'm going to post some of the photographs and the videos that I've dug up on uh, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. One of the images, at least one of the images, shows this black puma-like creature walking into the bushes, and its long, you know, puma-like tail also has like leopard spots on it. Okay. Like it is that is what it is. You know, based on that picture, Eddie, at least, 
It is, uh, you know, a black-colored leopard. Yeah, I mean, and that clues you in when you see part of it, quote, normal. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's and it's not like a normal leopard, but it's, you can see it's got like these blackened leopard uh, spots on its tail. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't look like a Labrador Retriever's tail. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> now picture Martha with a spotted tail. Yeah, and and by the way, there's been reports of uh, police officers, uh, you know, law enforcement folks seeing it in uh, in one of these areas. They brought in the military to look for the cat because there were so many of these uh, uh, reportings and stuff like that. Now, when the military came in. Uh, they didn't. They didn't find it, but um, you know, it's it's pretty interesting stuff. You know. Yeah. No tracks or anything from the military. They do see tracks. So, okay. Uh, let me tell you about this police officer. Uh, more recently, in two thousand and nine, that um, got a video of the big cat. So this was an off duty, and this comes from uh, the BBC News. And an off-duty Ministry of Defense police dog handler uh, was taking a video of what he claims to be a panther-sized big cat. Wow. And this gentleman's name, Chris Swallow, was helping a friend with their garden in Helensburg, Argyle, where he spotted the black creature on a nearby railway line. The officer who stationed at the Fasolane Naval Base on the Clyde said that the cat was as big as a Labrador dog. Wow. Yeah. And he says big cats have been reported in the area in the past with several sightings of the so-called Colport Cougar. Wow. So it's funny. When they see these, you know, they see them after they see them many times in an area, then they end up with the name of that region of the town. Right. Like it's the, you know, the beast of Midway or whatever, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Amazing. Now, what's interesting here, you know, this is cryptids and other oddities in the news. I I have a hunch that these are big cats, you know, that that are, are living out there. And they're not native to the area, but they've ended up there and they're roaming around and they're stealthy. And there's a lot of wildlife out there and uh, they're they're catching things and eating things. And maybe they're even breeding while well, they're there. You know, I have an opinion by about this this uh, phenomena because it's going on here in the United States too. Right. Uh, I think that there are a lot of knuckleheads out there who somehow get their hands on some little cub of some sort in some salacious manner, or, you know, some illicit, illegal uh, dealing, and then. When the thing starts to grow and they realize, wow, this is a little bit more than a house cat, and maybe they start to get a little uh, nasty with them and there's a little fear involved there, they just let them go. Yeah, take them out to the countryside and, and drop them, them go. Drop them off, man. Yeah, and that's so we hadn't talked about this. You didn't know what I was going to talk about, but I think that's exactly what happened. And by the way, there's another trigger for this to happen. So, We do know that in and around London, especially, you know, before the 70s, it was, uh, you know, a lot of very wealthy people would have these wild cats as a pet. Mm -hmm. You know, there's photographs of folks walking like a cheetah down the street, down High Street in London. 
Jeez. You know, so they did it. Yeah. And then in uh, 1975, uh, I think it was around 1975 or 1976, 1976, sorry, it, it is against the law to keep non-domestic cats, so not like house cats, um, without a license. And a license was pretty expensive. So, you know, the theory is that around this time in 1976, if you didn't have a license or maybe you had a kind of cat that you weren't even supposed to have with a license, you let the cat go rather than face the fines. Yeah, I mean, there you go. You know, no, exactly. Hey, exactly listen, what you're talking about. Just because you have a license, you might even be, quote, an expert on handling such animals. Who's to say one doesn't escape from your expert care? Absolutely. You know, we're talking cats, freaking cheetahs uh, out in uh, Africa climb up trees with prey in their mouth. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're very skilled at getting out of places. Well, and like when I lived in eastern Washington, in Spokane, Washington, right, it's a city. I mean, it's a pretty rural place, but it's still a city. You know, the inland capital of the Pacific Northwest, they call it. Every summer, every summer, Bill, that I was there, like four years, there would be uh, children attacked by cougars in town. Wow. And because they're so stealthy. Yeah. You know, they sneak around and like you'd see like photographs of their tail, like, you know, ducking behind a car or ducking behind a building and stuff like that. Mm hmm. And they were really there because the police would get them and shoot them. And, you know, you'd see them on the news that night. Yeah. I mean, it's no different than the domesticated cats we have. I mean, you always see them sneaking around in weird places. Yeah, they're stealthy creatures. But these ones are like seven feet long from nose to tail. Yeah, they can put a hurting on you quick. I wanted nothing to do with them. I mean, I think I told you the story. When I used to mountain bike out there, we used to mountain bike on good old Mount Spokane. And when I first got out there, one of my friends gave me these stickers that look like eyeballs. And he said, put these on the back of your bike helmet. And I was like, what do I, why do I need these on the back of my bike helmet? And they said, because the cougars watch us come rolling down the mountain and they pick off the last person in the row. Of bikes, but mm-hmm. if you have these eyes on the back of your helmet, they think that you see them and they won't jump out at you. Wow! I was like, yeah, give me two sets of those. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going last either. Yeah, right? you're going last, pal. <laughs> now, get, now wait here while I get moving. Exactly. Wow, so that's keep freaky. an eye on that sunset over there. I gotta go. <laughs> Feel free to leave as soon as I leave. Yeah, like we always say, Kev, you don't have to be the fastest runner, just faster than the guy behind you. You got that right. <laughs> Law of survival. <laughs> I don't have to outrun a bear. I just got to outrun the other guy that's behind me. Yeah, so that's it, Bill. Pretty cool stuff. And to our uh, listeners, thanks for sending that tip in on the UK cats. We'll probably do more on it, too. I'll, I'll keep my... Uh, eyes and ears peeled on on if I hear anything else or see anything else in terms of uh, more recent stories. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, definitely uh, out there in the fringe. And I doubt very much if many, if any, people are really familiar with it. No. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll stay in touch with it as we do with all things 
uh, strange and unusual, and uh, that's just the latest feather in our cap. (laughs) But now, speaking of things strange and unusual, this account was shared with me uh, by a woman named Mildred Shanks, a longtime resident of eastern Pennsylvania, which is also a hotbed for the strange and the bizarre. No doubt about it, yeah. Now, this is what Mildred had to say. In the late summer of 1975, my cooking of dinner was suddenly interrupted by somebody pounding frantically on my front door, screaming my name at the top of their lungs. My husband, who was in the basement at the time, started shouting, What's all the ruckus about? Before I could answer him, I was already going to the door, seeing my neighbor Tina through the windows. I turned a knob, and Tina was in such a state that she almost fell into the house instead of walking in. At the very same moment, my husband had come up the stairs and was also entering the living room as Tina began ranting about a huge black bear walking next to her outbuilding. She was in such a state that we immediately sat her down as my husband wasted no time getting his shotgun. Two minutes later, my husband told us to stay inside and out the door he went. Tina was shouting, Please be careful! But Mike was already out the door. I stayed with Tina trying to calm her down and console her when literally minutes later, two shots rang out and we ran to the window. We went from one window to the next looking for Mike, and then the front door came crashing open with Mike coming in with his gun, looking like he had just seen a ghost. I said to him, What's wrong? Did you get him? Mike looked at us and said, That's no bear. It's a monster. Tina looked at me and me at her as I said, What are you talking about, honey? Mike said he saw what he thought was a black bear walking on all fours along the fence line in Tina's yard next to the outbuilding. Sneaking up on the corner of the building, he leaned his shotgun on the siding and fired both barrels at the bear, hitting it cleanly with both rounds, or so he said. He went on to say that the bear, or what he thought was a bear, leaped up and turned in one quick movement, and now, standing on two legs, began to run towards him across the yard. Having no more shells with him, he himself turned and hightailed it back to the house, which is why he came crashing through the door. He went and got more shells and told us to go lock ourselves in the back room until he said to come out. I could hear one of the back windows being forced open, which was stuck shut from painting. And this was followed by two more gunshots, which rang out through the house, filling the room with the smell of gunpowder. The next thing I knew, I was hearing the sound of the telephone dial ratcheting, back and forth, which was followed by Mike calling the police to come over right away. 
We waited for about 10 minutes until the first officer had arrived. Moments later, the second pulled into the drive as Mike and the first were already talking things over in the driveway. This is when I first heard Mike say that it was a huge gorilla-type monster and not a bear. Up until that point, Mike hadn't explained to us all that had transpired. I guess he didn't want to frighten us. Tina and I now watched from various windows in the house as best as we could as Mike and the two officers made their way cautiously into the yard behind Tina's house. We suddenly heard one of the officers shout, Look out! After which, three shots were fired from what sounded like one of the officers' revolvers. It was almost 20 minutes later that the three men had made their way back to the house, having come inside. Tina and I were literally on pins and needles, not knowing or seeing anything in regards to why the shots had been fired and at what. As the conversation unraveled, this gorilla had darted from one side of the yard to, yard to the other as the two officers and Mike had split up walking along both sides of the outbuilding. According to the conversations, the police were calling it a Bigfoot and described it as being about seven feet tall and running very quickly on two legs. Apparently, Mike thought it better to not tell us that it was a Bigfoot and not a bear when he had seen it. Excuse me. Mike thought it better to not tell us that it was a Bigfoot, rather telling us it was a bear when he had seen it. But the truth came out in the end anyway. The police had openly said that reports of these creatures had been investigated through the years within the state. But this was the first time that one, as far as they knew, had actually been seen and shot at by officers. About 20 minutes later, our yards were crawling with police and canines, running out into the property and picking up on the scent of this monster virtually immediately. The police and two dogs were in the woods for a good hour or so before coming back out. Another officer had found some footprints along the fence line, which were quite large, that they were photographing, and that was the end of it. We never saw or heard anything else regarding this Bigfoot creature, and Tina had sold her house six months later, with us following in suit the following year. After this event, we were afraid to go anywhere out of the house, especially coming home after dark, which was impossible. I cannot emphasize just how much this ordeal had shaken us up, but it did. Now, I had asked Mike for some details of the Bigfoot having seen it at close range a couple of times, and this is what he said to me. When I first saw the beast, in my mind it registered as a bear, but my heart told me otherwise. It was way too big and sitting much too high in the hind quarters. Really, I had never seen anything like it, but it was on all fours and dark with fur. 
Fearing an attack and not really knowing what to do, I fired two successive rounds right at it. And that's when things got weird really quick. A bear would have either dropped or took off in a hurry. But this thing did neither. I had squeezed off round two right after round one. And this thing was already rising up and turning towards me. It had stood up and turned quickly in one fast movement that in so fast in one fast movement that I was already let me reread this I had squeezed off round two after round one and this thing was already rising up and turning towards me it had stood up and turned so quickly in one fast movement that in the moment I was caught off guard That lasted all of two seconds before I turned and ran while this beast had stood, turned, and was already in its first step before I had even moved. I didn't look back, but my assumption is that when I had bolted, it must not have followed. I say this because I don't believe I would be here today had it done so. Its first step in turning had to have been six feet or better which told me it could have been on me lickety-split, and there would have been nothing I could have done about it. My gun was empty, and there would have been no way to defend myself against such a monster. My gut tells me it was at least eight feet tall and better than a thousand pounds. I was so close when I fired that I could see the wrinkles in its face when it turned to face me. It had long arms and banana-like fingers with dark gray skin visible around its chest, face, and hands. The feet had overhanging hair on all sides, which gave the appearance of fringe hanging off of them. I wouldn't have believed it had someone else told me the same story. But seeing is believing, and there's no doubt in my mind that I saw a Bigfoot that day, whether anybody believes me or not. Whoa. Yeah, what do you think of that, Kev? So what was he shooting it with? This is a shotgun? Sounded like a side-by-side or an over-under. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, yeah, yep. you know, you got to keep an AR-15 around in eastern Pennsylvania. <laughs> I'm Maybe a thousand you. rounds of five five six and an <laughs> AR fifteen with like seven thirty <laughs> thirty round magazines laying around. Just a couple of spares. I mean, if you're gonna have this giant thing with banana like fingers, you might as well have a banana like clip for your AR fifteen. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! I'm gonna shoot something that close multiple times and yeah. have it like come back after you forget that yeah just keep squeezing till it falls backwards that's exactly. my motto <laughs> yikes <laughs> keep squeezing till it advances no more <laughs> <laughs> wow what a description had a wrinkled face when it turned mm. towards him yeah, 100%. It's very cool description and and you know, very realistic in that they see it on all fours. They're in bear country. I mean, these days almost everywhere is bear country it seems. 
And uh, then all of a sudden the thing is up on its hind legs and not looking like a bear at all and having bullets bounce off of it on like a bear. Yeah, well, he's saying he shot the first round and it already rose up and was turning at him as the second round hit him. Exactly. And it was taking a step towards him. Exactly. I mean, that is just like, you know, I don't know what he was shooting. Probably slugs, buckshot, who knows what he had. Yeah, but yeah probably he, buckshot, right, if it's just around the house. But it's, uh, but it's also, you know, they don't have grizzlies there in eastern Pennsylvania. So, you know, you're not thinking that a bear isn't going to be deterred with a, with a shotgun. I, I mean, I would think at close range, two barrels of anything coming out of a shotgun is going to stop a black bear. Like they say, it's going to leave a mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely going to leave a mark, man. I don't think that thing's coming at you. No, no, but no That's way. freaking crazy, you know what I mean? Uh, and here we are again in eastern PA, uh, which is certainly a hotbed for uh, uh, Bigfoot, UFO, spooks, all kinds of weird stuff goes around, uh, goes on around there. And uh, this is 1975. Hmm. So, and both of these people wound up selling out and uh, leaving Dodge uh, because of this incident. Hmm. Crazy stuff, man. And you don't know what else happened, too, you know. No, but, uh, you know, here we go again with the bear. And then he didn't apparently want, didn't want to tell the ladies uh, what he saw kind of stayed with the bear scenario. Yeah. And then the Bigfoot came out listening to the police talk to him, you know? I, I mean, I could see that happening, no, Bill. You know, you know. You know kind of protect the uh, young. Yeah, well, it could be his favorite house of all time, too. And knowing that if they really knew there was a Bigfoot there, then he'd have to sell the place. Yeah, yeah that's and that's one of the things I've been saying uh, for years now. Uh, what makes somebody move from the home and area that they love? It's got to be something very intense uh, to make you just pull up uh, your stakes and move on, you know? Well, that's what got me to leave Long Island many years ago, Bill, that Bigfoot in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eating all your tomatoes. Exactly. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. Well, so that's it, man. Another freaking bizarre encounter. Wild account from the uh, Bigfoot Triangle of Eastern Pennsylvania. Yeah, you know, when people write in, they say, so where is a Bigfoot? Where can I go see one? Well, first of all, I can't introduce you to him. But I can tell you that according to the reports, uh, these creatures are here in the Northeast they're in the Midwest, they're in the Southland, they're on the West Coast, the Northwest, they're up in the Northern Country in Canada. Uh, you know, we got them in Australia. Yeah, uh, we. Yeah, I hear that. And uh, so where are they? They're freaking all over the place. And uh, we're hearing that, and... Uh, People are getting eyes and ears on this phenomena like uh, never before. And uh, we're hopeful of seeing more uh, video down the road and uh, perhaps actually the realization 
of uh, a physical body. You know, we talk about the UFOs now gaining some footage. Yeah. Uh, or gaining some legs as far as showing us some things. Uh, I don't think we're far away of uh, from seeing uh, a Bigfoot. I hope so. You know. I mean, it's uh, about time when you think of uh, how old the uh, Patterson-Gimlin film is. I was just watching it the other night. Again, it's still fantastic. Yeah. It never goes away. No. Never goes away. Well, that's it, Kim. What do we have from our uh, listeners today? Yeah, we got some good listener mail. And the first one comes from another hotbed, a hotbed that I know firsthand. This is Daryl from Idaho. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he says, hello, she and bros. (laughs) (laughs) Says, my name is Daryl. I wonder if he has another brother, Daryl, and another brother named (laughs) Daryl. But Daryl says he was born and raised and still live in North Idaho. And I've been, I've spent a lot of time in Northern Idaho, Daryl, and it is a cool place. That's where our, uh. Priest Lake encounter happened. Well, in fact, he may be talking about Priest Lake. Oh, okay. Yeah, he says, I recently discovered your podcast. I can't believe I didn't hear about it sooner because I am a Bigfoot and podcast enthusiast. So obviously I've been binge listening to get caught up. I was just listening to episode 60 and Kevin is reading a message from a listener named Becca who told about her Sasquatch encounter with a gray Sasquatch. Yeah. This prompted me to write to you fine fellas. First, let me give a little background because I think it will help give you a better perspective. I have been in law enforcement for 25 years with the last 15 at the rank of detective. Uh Uh-huh. I'm known as the Bigfoot guy in the office and have to endure a good-natured teasing that comes with that title. I'll occasionally share encounter stories with my fellow detectives. I had just shared one BFRO report about some hunters up in Bonner County near Priest Lake. There you go. That had some creepy things happen to them. Shortly after this one of my fellow detectors, detectives was selected to become our first in-house polygrapher and was being sent to polygraph school in Florida, which lasts several months. We decided to have a poker game to see him off as he was a huge poker player. So we had a group of detectives playing poker and I had invited a retired detective who is an old school salt of the earth type guy named Dick. Now, Dick is not a Bigfoot guy at all, and someone in our game brought up the account that I had shared with them and said we should camp there next summer. So there was some Bigfoot banter going around the table, and Dick is silently listening. Now, let me be honest and say there was some libations being shared, but Dick was only drinking a sports drink. Dick then looks at us and says, you fellas seem pretty open about the subject, so I'll share a story. Dick said years ago he was up scouting on ATVs with a small group of people in Bonner County near Priest Lake. He said he spotted something odd in the middle of a clear cut, approximately 250 yards away. He said it was grayish white and looked out of place. 
Dick said he had forgotten his binoculars, so he and the group couldn't quite figure out what it was when all of a sudden the object stood up and ran across the clear cut and into the timber. Wow. Yeah. Dick said it was on two feet and ran like a bat out of hell. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Dick said he didn't know what it was, but he knows what he saw. Yeah, that's it, man. I found it interesting that Dick refused to verbalize what he what he obviously knew, that it was a Bigfoot. I also found it interesting that he described the light color because in 2002, there were two reports of a whitish-gray Bigfoot in Ponderay County in Washington by Sullivan Lake, which, by the way, is just west of Priest Lake, huh. right across the border. Yeah. The, yeah, the BFRO reports were from the spring and summer of 2002, but were reported, were reported years apart. Sullivan Lake is not very far as the crow flies to Bonner County and Priest Lake. Dick also was not a Bigfoot enthusiast, not a big jokester, and I would trust him with my life. I'd also like to mention that I thought it was very interesting that he said that after a time, it stood up. I have heard several accounts of Bigfoot squatting down like a tree stump until they realize they've been seen. Mm. Yep. Just for your guys' information, I learned that the BFRO has not had an investigator for Idaho. So there is a huge backlog of reports going back years that haven't been followed up on, so they were never published. I am now the Idaho investigator, and I have my work cut out for me. Hopefully when I retire, I can get more done. One last thing, fellas. If I give you a five-star review, can I get some whoops, howls, or tree knocks sounds in your intro and exit sounds? Kill the cat and bring on the yowie. (laughs) He says, I like it when Kevin says yowie. (laughs) Yowie! And he says, thanks, guys. Be safe and God bless. Now, that is some interesting stuff. Fantastic, right? Now, I have already reached out to Daryl. By the time this show airs, I hope to have heard from him. There is nothing I would like better than to have a home-brewed BFRO reporter uh, in our pocket for the podcast from that area. Especially Uh, somebody that hangs out around Priest Lake. Yeah, I'm just... Dying to hear some of these reports coming out of here when this former detective uh, starts putting his boots on. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is Dick drinking a sports drink. I mean, a sports drink can be five shots of Jack's and a football mug. <laughs> you know what I mean, Kev? I guess I'm not so. shoot. I'm not shooting him down. I'm just saying, you know, he did mention libations. Yeah, but I think he meant that the others were drinking libations, but not Dick. <laughs> That's the way I got it. Yeah, got yeah, it. yeah. But yeah. it's good uh, good stuff. And, and, you know, I've said it probably 40 episodes ago, so I'll say it again. When we were out there in eastern Washington, we, we loved to hike. We still do. But we were hiking with our kids who were little at the time out there. And um, we were going down this trail towards Priest Lake. And, I mean, if... If you've never been out there and you live out in that part of the world, go to Priest Lake. It's spectacular. Make sure you carry more gun than you think you're going to need, which I wasn't that day. I had some uh, like a couple of fire extinguisher 
like canisters of bear spray, the real bear spray, northern Idaho bear spray. Um, and we were walking down a trail, and that's where, Bill, I've told you the story, where it yep. looked like a deer exploded. Yeah. Like there was fur everywhere. Yeah. And you remember um, we got that explanation yeah. from one of our uh, hunting partners. Yeah. Who said that over time, every little critter in the forest will have a piece of that deer and when they're done scattering it and biting it and grabbing what they want, it looks like the thing blew up. Right. But this was like the tufts of fur were all over the place. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, man. it was still, I heard the explanation. I'm not doubting the explanation. Yep. yep. But I've done a lot of hiking. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. Just like torn to shreds. To shreds. Yeah. And then, of course, I had that encounter where the man came across that old style priest wearing the old garments who kind of warned him. Yeah. That was really freaky deaky, Very man. strange. Yeah. Wow. All right, bro. All right. One more letter, Bill. From Kim in Texas. And uh, the subject is two old grumps in the woods of Texas. <laughs> He's not talking about me and you, is he? Uh, you know, I don't think so. <laughs> and he says, hello, Sir William. Ah. And you too, KJ. He, he puts in parentheses <laughs> in an English accent. <laughs> so he says, writing this for two reasons. One, to let you know your podcast is great. You keep me and my best friend laughing down the highway all the way to the woods. We started listening to you guys a few years ago when we decided the Texas leases here were getting pricey and the federal and forest areas here are $40 a year. So that's a no-brainer for getting out in the woods. <laughs> and if the right buck happens to break his own rule, then maybe there's meat on the table. A awesome, bit of our man. backgrounds, we've been, we've together logged a lot of dirt time, 35 plus years, both of us hunting, tracking, and camping out in the woods of Texas. We're both in our early 50s and still get excited to know when the weather starts to cool here and that, and that we got to get into woods. Mm -hmm. I mean, to just set up camp is something that stirs the sounds of silence covered by the sounds of the woods. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, I love Speaking this. of the woods, I do, however, have a short story that happened to us during our youth that after 30 some odd years, we remembered something, something that happened to us in our late teens. It's strange how you can forget things that happened so many years ago and boom, it comes back to you like it was yesterday. Crazy how my buddy brought it to memory, and now I've come to realize since listening to your show that things might have been different then they seemed than they seemed at that time in the woods. Hmm. Like one account of losing a deer that had bled out after he saw it drop 80 yards from him. My buddy's brother, John Boy, he doesn't lose a deer. We searched forever and found nothing. So I guess he shot it. Yeah. They went out to get it, and it wasn't there. And he's like, what the heck? That doesn't yeah. happen. How many times I've heard that story. I know. And he says, we saw a huge spot where it bled out, but there was nothing there. Hmm. We now go to Sam Houston National Forest or the Big Thicket Federal Reserve. 
And we got lots of tales from the big thicket, right, Bill? No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And we've hunted both places since 2018. We've heard different sounds out there and some really crazy sounds and prints as well in these woods of southeast Texas. If you'd like to hear some, I'd be obliged to send you a few. Let me know. We also have a few prints I can share on our Facebook page. Working on getting sounds to work on Facebook. We are two old guys, so not enough downtime for us to sit at the computer long enough and write. Even this letter was written over three days. Lots of laugh. (laughs) Uh, Now, Kim, believe me, brother, and anybody else out there, you don't have to ask me if I want to hear your howls Uh, or see your photographs. Yeah, just send them. Yeah. Anybody out there, you have anything you want to share, just send them. That's it. Very cool account from Kimbo and Carl, who's his buddy. Awesome. So Kimbo and Carl, give us us more details. Give us some sound recordings. You ping us uh, again on the website, and we'll give you our uh, personal email addresses if that's easier to send the recordings over. Yep, absolutely. Well, that was quite uh, a couple of letters there, Kev. Very cool. Yeah, two longer ones, and uh, but good accounts. And, of course, Priest Lake has a special place near to my heart. Yeah, it's awesome. Good and, uh, folks, you know, don't be shy. Uh, Kim and Daryl uh, took the time to reach out to us, which is really an easy thing to do. Just go to BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Hit the contact link. While you're there, you could follow some links to my books and buy two or three hundred for the weekend. <laughs> and then you could send us a message. Just say hello. Let us know you're out there. Tell us you love the show. Uh, you know, share with us anything of interest to you. And uh, we'd be glad to hear from you. Right, Kev? 100%. And so if you find yourself walking around Priest Lake or anywhere else in northern Idaho, it's probably a good idea if you always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.